Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hey friends, this is Adam Borneman, and I'm pleased to be with my friend of 20 years today, Jennifer Farr Davis. Jennifer is the owner of Blue Ridge Hiking Company in Asheville. She's hiked 14,000 plus miles, broke a bunch of records, has written a bunch of books, and most importantly is a fellow classics major from Samford University. Go Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. Beat Florida. <laughs> Jen, thanks for having a conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, Jen, give us the quick bio of how you got to where you are in Asheville and what you're doing there. Well, I grew up in Western North Carolina, went to college in Birmingham at Stanford, met Adam. And with a classics degree, uh, you have to be creative when you get out of school to find your career. I didn't know what I wanted to do next and kind of needed time and a place to figure it out. So I had heard of the Appalachian Trail and thought five or six months in the woods would be a good place to decide what was next. And I went out and hiked the trail as a 21-year-old on my own, finished five months later, and have never really been the same person since then. It was super transformational and eventually led me back to Asheville. But since then, I've been a hiker and um, very involved in getting other people outdoors through writing, speaking, and guiding. So that's been my career for the past 13 years. I'm a hiker. Who knew that was an option? It is. And after you hiked the Appalachian Trail, then you hiked it again because you decided you could do it faster. How did this go? <laughs> uh, I got married and I started a business and I had less time, but still really wanted to hike. So yeah, I've done trails across the U.S. and around the world, but the Appalachian Trail's my favorites where I've spent the most amount of time. And as my time became a more limited resource, I decided to do it a second go round. Um, this time, instead of taking the traditional five to six months, my husband, we were newlyweds, he helped me along the way, met me at road crossings, and I finished in 57 days. And at the time, it was a women's record. I averaged 38 miles a day that summer. That's nuts. So you have written a lot, which is awesome. The book I'm familiar with the most is The Pursuit of Endurance. Is it? Have you read it? Have I read it? <laughs> Got it in my hand right here. Yes, I've read it. <laughs> okay. Why do you say that? Most of my family members don't read my books. I'm honored that you read it. Thank you. It's nice that you have it right there. What else are friends for <laughs> if they don't even read your books? And the subtitle is Harnessing the Record-Breaking Power of Strength and Resilience. So I thought it'd be great to have a conversation with you about all those sorts of themes, endurance, strength, resilience, not just in the context of hiking and running a business and family stuff, but also in the context of the pandemic the last couple of years and everything that's come along with that. I was just looking at some research and stats today about the rapidly accelerating mental health crisis that we're still in, mm -hmm. and a lot of it has to do with all of that. And our team has been talking a lot lately about resilience in a variety of contexts. So tell me what this book is really about for you, particularly on the theme of resilience. Yeah, when I wrote The Pursuit of Endurance, I wanted to tell some really cool trail stories and share some of my experience, but also interview some of my inspirations and role models who have had really epic adventures that have required extreme endurance in the outdoors. And really what I wanted to do was like 
discover the code to endurance. I was like, I'll just interview all these different people, find out what they do the same. And then that's as humans what we need to do in order to keep going. So that was my thought at the beginning. And I went and I had all these conversations and interviewed these different athletes. I interviewed psychologists and physiologists. And at the end, the <laughs> the findings are that endurance looks really different for everyone, which is why it's sort of a hard topic to touch on mm -hmm. because the motivations and reserves and strategies people use to keep going are very personal. So I don't think there's one right way mm -hmm. to keep going, but there are several good examples to draw like inspiration and guidance from, and a lot of them are included in the book. So you're saying that all these books have been picking up on the uh, seven steps to endurance and all the TED Talks have been watching about resilience or waste of time. I don't know that it's a waste of time. <laughs> I think it might be overly simplistic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's useful content and all of that, but I, it was very surprising because I had done a similar thing to most of the people in the book. Like, and I don't even think we touched upon this. We said I went back to the trail the second time. I also went back the third time and set the overall record for men and women. And so for 46 days, I averaged 47 miles a day on an extremely difficult mountainous trail. And I know what got me through the low points and the hard times. And a lot of it was faith and intrinsic motivation and encouragement for my husband. And a lot of it was... <laughs> wanting to be a mom and knowing what my body could do before I give it over to bearing children. And that was a very unique thing. Yeah. As I interviewed the guys, several of them tried two or three or four times up until their 40s. And that was never a thought. And some of them, I think, were trying to outrun the past. And some of them were doing it to highlight causes. And yeah, getting down to it, I think we all find different ways to keep moving forward. I think what endurance and resilience is, is really like what motivates you? What is your passion? Because when you have nothing left, that's what is going to be your core strength. And you said for you, you listed a couple things there. What does faith have to do with hiking the Appalachian Trail? And what does it have to do with resilience? Well, it has a lot or everything really, I would say. But as far as endurance hiking, which is a very niche thing and a weird sport, if you want to call it that. But I felt like God had given me a gift to hike. I mean, it was the chariots of fire. Like when I hike, I feel God's presence. I can do it well. I can do it all day. And I think one of the miracles of language in the Bible is how the parable of the talents has kept that word to represent money or resources, but it's just such a literal translation of what are we doing with our talents? And that was the question that I felt called to answer by going for that record. I've been given these talents. I need to try to use them to the best of my ability. So that was a primary motivating factor. And then uh, I really encourage people to spend time outdoors because I think it's one of the best places to experience and understand God. And it's strange when I compare my 47 mile a day hike to a Christian or spiritual discipline, especially because most often I compare it to fasting. And I was in fact eating like seven to 8,000 calories a day, but I felt depleted every day. Like I just, I was on empty every day. And when you get to that place of emptiness and it was nice, there was so much solitude and you're just going to God because your needs are ever present. So it was a very spiritual experience and journey for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, is that like a, would you liken that to a discipline of being grounded or focusing or centering or, I mean, this is just a very intense discipline. 
you're not just sitting there not eating or something like that. <laughs> you're actually being filled up with something. Yeah. yeah. Doing the records, I mean, that's certainly extreme, but I think going outside is more than just a spiritual discipline. It should be a part of our spiritual identity. It's really important to who we are as spiritual beings to spend time outdoors. And all mm. the words that now are like these buzzwords of being mindful, being present, it's like, put down your phone, take out your ear pods, go outside, <laughs> like, listen to the birds, right. notice what's <laughs> in your like immediate environment. Like these are how humans have operated and experienced the world for thousands of years. And we continue to just block ourselves off from it. Yeah, it's like the discipline of paying attention. Not being distracted. Yeah. So I'm guessing that folks calling you to do a lot of talks and tours and retreats, and they want you to share some wisdom with them <laughs> about your experiences. So the last couple of years especially, what have you been telling folks about, you know, who want the magic answer from someone like you about endurance, resilience, perseverance, you know, pick your word. What do you say to people? It's okay to feel tired. I say I've hiked 47 miles a day for 46 days and I feel more tired now <laughs> than I did then. So yeah. trying to shoulder responsibilities of providing for a family, providing for employees, raising your children, caring for your spouse, all of those things, they're hard. And then you add a pandemic on top of it. It is appropriate to be really exhausted right now. So first of all, just validating that experience. And then I do think through my hiking and backpacking, one of the things I've learned is we can recover on the move. I think so often we just push and push and push and hit these breaking points. Uh -huh. But a big part of my experience on the trails, finding ways to bend and not break. So encouraging people to find small habits, um, disciplines, routines to put into their everyday life and schedule that give them a sense of renewal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be taking deep breaths. It can be doing short prayers throughout the day. It can be working out, taking a walk, having like intentional time with your kids or spouse during the day. But a lot of times it only takes a few minutes to really feel refreshed to a point and allow you to keep going to the next day. So when no break is in sight, you have to think about how you can slip in those small life-giving habits wherever you can. Yeah, I love that phrase, recovering on the move. That's what sticks with me there. I wonder why that sticks out to me. Is that counter to the type of care culture we're in? Or why do you think that it's so important to say recover on the move? Well, I don't know. When I say self-care, I sort of have a negative connotation. I think of someone at a spa all day and I get sort of jealous. <laughs> angry. And I mean, I would love it. Sign me up for a spa day. Like if I could do it, I would love it. But there's so many times where I'm like, I don't have the time or mm. I don't have the resources to indulge in self-care. But I think as a person of faith, there's so many life-giving practices that are a part of our spiritual walk. So much of like being in relationship with God. I mean, when I read the Bible, there's so many places where it's like prayer, like have an intentional conversation with God, just listen, be still and listen, move, move outdoors, use your body, your body's a gift, like so much of what God wants for us. I you know, I think eating delicious food from the earth, like so much of what God wants for us makes us feel better. So tuning into that is important. What are you learning about 
God in the world. And... Yeah, I recently have just, well, I think it's been a journey that's kind of paralleled my time outdoors, but I feel so strongly that Christians should be spearheading conservation and sustainability efforts. And, you know, I think we are called to be stewards of our environment. And so often that is not a part of popular Christian culture. Personally, I'm, you know, trying to think of ways, regardless of people's faith background, to help them feel connected to the outdoors and help them value that and want to be a better steward of it. Because I do think it's going to be very significant to our life and our well-being and our spirituality as well. I think in general, people's trend away from the church or away from religion is very much tied to this trend of people spending less time outdoors and less time in nature. Mm. So I think there's a strong connection between those two things. For people who are drawn to what you just said, what should they do? What's the next step? What do they read? What do they do? Um, other than go outside. Yeah. Go, go outside. Um, <laughs> they should go to Asheville and visit Blue Ridge Hiking Company yeah. and bring their wallet. Yeah. I'm sure this is the same with a lot of heavy topics, but I find that there's a real defeatist mentality when you talk about conservation or sustainability or climate change or any of those things, because individuals are prone to say, well, what does my life have to do with anything when corporations have such a big and negative impact? Why would I make a change when there's full countries who are unregulated? And that is where as a Christian, I'm like, that doesn't matter. (laughs) You're called, you're called to do the right thing. You're not called to like, look at other people's paths and give up like you're you're called to a better path, Mm. because that's what God wants for us. So I think anything you do matters. I am very much not a perfect person when it comes to conservation or, you know, decreasing my impact. But there's so many great things you can do. You can shop local, you can have a compost bin, you can try to drive less, you can walk more, you can offset air flights with carbon credits. There's so many little things you can do. And the one thing, because it is overwhelming, my husband and I, we try to do is each year, we're just like, okay, what's one new habit we can incorporate into our lifestyle that's going to be better for us and better for the environment. And so each year, it's just trying to embrace one new habit, one new adjustment to our life that's going to be better for our environment long term. What's been your habit this year? Well, this past year, I don't think we had one. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was COVID and we were like uh, surviving. Make Um, it through COVID. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we were really diligent about that one a year and then somewhere when we had kids, I think we skipped a few years. But some examples of the past is when we traded out our one of our vehicles, we got a hybrid. Um, in our old house, we invested in solar panels. One year, we tried to eat more organic. We, with our meat, we try to eat meat that's humanely grass-fed, raised, or, or hunted. And not, you know, we're grateful for anything. But we try to make those small lifestyle choices as much as possible. I think this year, it'll be offsetting airline carbon emissions because I tend to fly a lot to give talks and go to conferences and I really kind of want to offset that so I think just buying those credits super easy to do oh plant a tree trees are amazing plant a tree so easy so simple so all those things help what's next for you you have any big hiking trips lined up no (laughs) 
My um, more flights. Yeah, more flights. My family and I we visited 22 national parks last year, and that was really wonderful. And we're talking about actually doing a clean water relief trip to Fiji with one of our outdoor partners this year. So. Those sound like great adventures, but personally, I'm mid-career, been a hiker for 13 years, had a hiking company, and I feel like called to try to take care of our natural resources. So I'm trying to figure out what that looks like and what I need to do to have a a positive impact and use my talents in the way that God wants me to. So I think trying to figure that out is the next step. So Jen, you've got an auditorium full of people. You've got time to say one thing to them about endurance and resilience, the outdoors, all these wonderful things we've been talking about. What's the one thing you want to leave folks with? It's okay to feel like you're failing and it's okay to feel like you're not where you want to be. Again, sometimes we really overcomplicate leadership and success and even ideas like resilience and endurance. A lot of it is just an ugly crawl and a lot of it is just showing up consistently over time. So Even when you're not your best self, even when you don't feel like you have a lot to give, endurance is the ugliness of showing up when you're not at your best and continuing to do it over time until you feel good once again. So just keep showing up. Jen, thanks so much for the conversation today. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.